0: Welcome to the Quilting Arts Podcast, where we take a deep dive into the world of contemporary art quilting. I'm Susan Brubaker-Knapp, and I'm here with Vivica Hanson-Denegri, my co-host and friend. How are you? I'm doing great, Susan. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. We're moving into fall here. It's the time of year where everything just rolls and rolls and rolls so fast that you can barely keep up with it. We're actually moving out of fall when you think about it.
1: It's almost snowflake season. It's definitely sweater season, so my favorite time of year. Well,
0: where you live, it is. Here in North Carolina... Uh, I'm still raking leaves in my t-shirt and shorts. Well, we had several turkeys
1: come and visit us in our backyard actually on Thanksgiving week. So I have been thinking about all of those fall animals that must be just hunkering down and getting ready for their
0: long winter's nap. Yes, I'd like to do that. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to hibernate until coronavirus is over?
1: (laughs) Well, I am sort of. I definitely am. (laughs) One of the things that I've been doing is just really losing myself in my art. And I think that's just what else can we do at this point? You know, we're not supposed to get together as families. We're not supposed to go to museums and stuff like that. So I'm doing a lot of virtual museum hopping and I'm getting really comfortable with my art. I'm watching The Crown and just enjoying, you know, being immersed in a good story. I know it's not real, but. It's a good story and, um, you know, that kind of thing. What about you? How are you going to be hibernating?
0: Well, I've been working on an online course and trying to focus on that with the eye towards making some new art, a large piece for the entry to our new house. We call our house Fern Hill, and I'd like to do a fern-based piece. So I'm playing around with with some digital art art stuff and trying to figure out if I can kind of take it in a different direction from what I've been doing. I'm hoping that in the next two months, I'll have some time to really think about that and focus on that piece of art. You know, something else that I've been doing
1: is preparing for future articles and writing articles for the magazine. I was asked to write an article for Quiltmaker magazine as well. And so I just had a wonderful conversation with Jane Sassaman, and that reminded me when you talked about Fern Hill and making a piece that's sort of ferny. Thinking about her artwork has really always been so inspiring to me. And one thing that we're going to be talking about today is trends and predicting the trends in fiber art and that kind of thing. And I look at people's work and I try to think about how has it changed over time or what is it about Mm. their artwork that just speaks to me so much? And I think about like Jane in particular, some of the interesting things that she does is that she hits on beyond just beautiful artwork. She hits on things that are a little bit dark. Yes and interesting as well, because she'll often put a poison plant in her work, or she'll put a bug or a spider. But, you know, it sort of reflects the mood. And, you know, the mood that I'm seeing, we're taping this in late November, but the moods that I'm seeing for our future and our next couple of months are a little bit darker. Right. I can't wait to see, though, what you come up with in a piece of digitally inspired art for your house. That'll be really cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's kind of interesting because we've taken a big shift in our overall design sense by moving into this house. So I kind of feel like I need to create a piece of artwork that's a little mid-century mod in feel, a little bit more modern, a little maybe less realistic. So I'm using that as a challenge to myself as to whether I can create a piece that still has my voice, my signature look, because I think I worked hard to develop that look that as an artist you want, you know? The same way that Jane Sassman, you know, I loved her work. I fell in love with it when it was on the cover of I can't remember what magazine, but Willow. You know her classic yes, I do piece. Know. Yes. Um that was the first time I had heard about Jane and seen her work. And I remember getting that magazine in the mail and just being blown away. I mean, it's one of those ones that I was like, wow, I have to learn more about this artist. I love this. And that's probably been uh maybe 25 years maybe Martha can help us figure that out but you know you want to have the same look but you want to grow as an artist and maybe go in slightly different directions and that's a big challenge as an artist because sometimes you get pulled in different directions and you're like ooh I want to try this new thing or this new technique or I have a strong feeling about something or a sense that I want to achieve a visual look that's different and so there's that struggle that goes back and forth between you get pulled back to your Base.
1: Well, I'm sort of like the dog that sees a squirrel, and I'm like, oh, a squirrel. i got to try this. I've got to try that. But, you know, it's interesting that you would talk about her piece, Willow, because that is such a beautiful piece. And I think one thing about that piece is that it probably became one of those things that influenced so many people. It influenced them to use curves. It influenced them to feel like, oh, my goodness, I can actually... I'm assuming that it's um, fused, but I can use a fusible and make an art quilt that is so incredible and so unique. And I do think that there are pieces of art that definitely change the way that artists work once they see them, Mm -hmm. you know, that they see something innovative being done. But that's sort of fun to think about. Why don't we take a quick break, Susan, because I can't wait to bring in our artist-in-residence, Martha Seelman, to talk about things like this, to talk about the trends that we're going to be seeing
0: and what's new and fresh in our world of art quilting. Well, she's had her eye on that for a long time, so it'll be great to get her insights.
1: We invited Martha Seelman, Sakwa's executive director to join us today as our artist in residence to discuss trends she sees in contemporary art
0: quilts. As Sakwa's executive director, Martha's witnessed the explosive growth of art quilting, as well as growing interest in art quilts as a legitimate and collectible fine art medium. Over the past 16 years of her leadership, Sakwa's membership has grown and the art quilting community has benefited from an expanded reach into the prestigious international art venues. Welcome, Martha.
2: Oh, I'm so excited to be here. This is going to be
1: great. I've been looking forward to this conversation for quite some time, and For those of you who don't know, I'm so lucky to be part of the board of directors of SACWA. So I have a little bit of an inside scoop about what's going on in the world. And I was excited to invite you to join us in this conversation, Martha, because you have almost a better inside scoop as to what is going on in the art quilt world. I was just thrilled a couple of weeks ago to be on a call with you. And was it the curator of the Boston Museum of Fine Art, talking about art quilts going into the Fine Art Museum?
2: Yeah, Jennifer Swope is a curator at the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston and has been really busy putting together a 300-year survey of quilts in America that they're hoping can open to the public next May. And I'm really looking forward to seeing the exhibit, if that's possible, and definitely to reading the scholarly catalog that they're planning to publish in conjunction with it.
0: That is quite a scope of that many many years. years. And so So that's that's going to stretch stretch from from way way back 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 in Baltimore Baltimore Album Quilts and the whole shebang what an amazing undertaking that's going to be to try to cover that much ground.
2: I agree. I think that it's really wonderful to see so many art museums looking at quilts and seeing their artistic possibilities. And it's wonderful that the Museum of Fine Art in Boston is one of the leaders in this field. They showed the Gerald Roy and Paul Pilgrim collection of wonderful, mostly Amish quilts, and talked about their use of color in those quilts. And it was stunning. This was a couple of years ago. And so it's great to see them revisiting the quilt as an art medium.
0: And also to connect from those quilts in the past to art quilts and show the amazing range and how Quilts have moved from being a beautiful way to show off your skills, but in a usable item as a bed quilt, to art, which is a big leap and still is a big leap for a lot of people. So it's nice to have that stamp of validation.
1: So it certainly is validation, but I'm curious, Martha, why you think this might be happening now. Do you think it has something to do with saqua's real hard work that we've all been doing to have the quilt be recognized as a fine art medium? Or do you think that maybe the museum heads are just finally starting to realize that there are plenty of fine artists who work in fiber?
2: I think it all helps. I think that part of my goal for saqua is to create so many art quilt exhibitions in so many places being seen by so many people that it stops being a novelty and becomes part of the art landscape. I think back to when photography first started, it was not considered an art medium. It was something that you had your portrait taken as a documentation. But now it's completely accepted as one of the mediums that you can use to create art. Art glass would be another example of that. Glass was just something that you made bowls out of or drinking glasses. And it was really the efforts of people like Dale Chihuly that changed that and made it suddenly an art form that museums were clamoring to collect. And my hope is that the art quilt similarly will transition to being something that people expect to see in an art museum and become knowledgeable about and excited about. Certainly people who encounter art quilts in our exhibitions for the first time are really excited about what they're seeing. And they say things like, I never knew you could make art out of fabric and thread. And that's what we want to educate everybody about.
0: When you were talking about all of the different exhibitions and plans that you had, all I could think was this is a shock and awe campaign. It certainly is. Hit them hard. Make them gasp, right? Yep. Well, you know, I often look at these exhibits when I'm doing
1: planning for the magazine, and I plan six to nine months ahead. Actually, even more than that sometimes. And it's almost like an embarrassment of riches. There are so many amazing exhibits, and this is just with saqua There are more exhibits than saqua out there. There are all sorts of wonderful opportunities to exhibit your work. And Sakwa just happens to be the major one, but it's fantastic to see what's out there. And what I've noticed recently is just how many different techniques are being used in these quilts. And it's not limited to what you might think. I think of three-dimensional art that's out there, I think of things that are absolutely photorealistic and that aren't photographs that are out there. And I'm just sort of curious, Martha, what you think the trends are going to be saying for 2021? Are we going to be seeing more of a certain type of art? Are we going to be seeing more of a certain type of technique?
2: One of the things that SACWA's exhibition committee is really working hard to do is to provide a way for people to share what they're creating. So we do have a traveling exhibit called 3D Expression, where the entire exhibit is filled with art made with fabric and thread, but three-dimensional. So it's all sculptural. We're seeing more people experimenting with unusual materials. So not just cotton fabric, but people who are experimenting with metals, or they're experimenting with plastics, or they're experimenting with woods, and how they can still keep that Three dimensional bas relief that the quilting provides, but do something new with it, find a different way to use it to express what's inside of themselves. So I think we're going to see more people continuing to experiment, push the boundaries. We just did a virtual exhibit on Saqua's website that is all art that's designed to be land art meaning that it's displayed outdoors and some of that is a temporary installation and some of the weathering that occurs over time is part of what the artist is trying to say with their art so that's a completely new and different direction for quilts to take. And it's super exciting to see people trying new things and pushing in new directions.
1: So do you think that the art comes first, or the technique comes first? Because to me, it's all about the art. And good art is good art, no matter what technique that you're using, right? But I know that some people are really, really driven by the technique or by the trend that's happening.
2: In the interviews that I've done over the years for the different books that I've written, one thing is clear is that there is no one path that fits all artists. (laughs) So some people are really driven by a concept that they have in their heads, and then they work and work to find the right materials, techniques to express that concept. Other people are very technique-based, Not that that's the only thing, but that that's where they start from. They have a technique that they love. They love how it feels. They love how it evolves. They love what the results look like. But they are not satisfied until what they have created meets some internal sense of This is what I was trying to get to, even though I started from a base of a particular technique. And then there are other people whose art talks to them. Over and over again, when I say, how do you know when your piece is finished? They'll say, I sit there and it's up on the design wall or it's on the table or whatever. And it tells me if it needs something or it tells me that it's done. And I say, well, what if it doesn't tell you that? And they say, well, then I need to walk away. I need to leave it alone and come back. And then maybe if I'm lucky, it will have that conversation with me.
0: I've been asked before, sometimes when I teach, what's the difference between a quilt and an art quilt? And I'll say, well, with a traditional quilt, you know when you're done because you finish the pattern and you do all the instructions and you're done. With an art quilt, you don't know exactly when you're done until you make that decision. So that's a distinction right there for me between craft and fine art.
1: So I'm curious about also what kind of trends we're gonna be seeing with content in our quilts. So when you go to a show like Houston, for instance, or QuiltCon or something like that, there always seems to be something that rises to the top every year. Like last year at QuiltCon, the quilts were amazing, but the quilts that really stood out to me were art quilts, and I think that art quilts just sort of rose to the top. Suddenly, not everything at QuiltCon was functional, not everything was bed sized, not everything was made with quarter inch seams. Suddenly, these people were making modern quilts that were art inspired. So, you know, certainly that is one example of it. But at, I think it was Houston last year. The improv quilts were just so over the top. They were just amazing. And so I wonder if there's going to be that kind of trend too that might come out of this time. Is it text on quilts? Is it architecturally inspired quilts? Or is it quilts for comfort? What do you see happening, Martha?
2: I'm sure there are a lot of people making quilts for comfort. We all need to be comforted in this extremely difficult year. What I am seeing is based primarily on the donations that SACWA got for our annual benefit auction. This year, we got almost 500 12-inch square donations. And I look at each one, and I read each artist statement. And what struck me over and over, it's a, definitely a trend, is the effect that the pandemic and the lockdown had on artists, probably by extension on everyone. And so there was a lot of sadness. There was a lot of feeling of darkness and despair, something you mentioned earlier, Vivica, and then a lot of hope. So that in terms of content, I think this year is driving a lot of content there are an awful lot of quilts that are responding to the COVID virus, that are responding to the problems of lockdown, and then are responding to all of the political events that have taken place, especially the Black Lives Matter movement. So there's a lot of political and social commentary, which there's always been. But this year, I think much more than ever before. And it's inspiring some incredibly powerful, hard-hitting art.
1: So what artists are you seeing that are doing that kind of hard-hitting work? The COVID quilts or the political quilts that are really moving you?
2: The exhibitions that I found really, in some ways, very difficult to even look at on my computer, let alone being able to look at them in person, are the exhibitions that Carolyn Maslumi organized in Minneapolis. There's a piece in the exhibition that the Women of Color Quilters Network put together by Carolyn Crump that is just an amazing piece of art, and it makes me really uncomfortable every time I see it because there are children saying, don't. Mm -hmm. And it's just incredibly powerful, incredibly moving.
0: Yes. Hala Chatelaine is working right now on, a, I think, a pretty large piece that has Black women, and it's about voting, the power of voting. I've been watching her work on that on social media, and I'm really impressed, again, with her skills. (laughs) Because the process that she uses is so tedious and difficult. And it's a beautiful piece.
2: Yeah, I just saw a picture of it because I was interviewing her for Sakwa's upcoming Sakwa seminar, which is all about color. And of course, Hollis's work is always, well, not always, but often color-driven and monochromatic in its color tones. So we were talking about that, and she shared that piece that she is, I think, now finished with. And it is very powerful, really conveying the strength of the women that she is portraying. And it's particularly fun because I know one of them. (laughs) So it's like, oh, I know her. And look, there she is in this great image that Hollis put together for this quilt about the power of Black women in politics and the importance of
1: voting. All right, let's just take a quick break and we'll be right back. politics often intersect. There's just no way to get around it. And um, I know that some people feel that quilts should not do that because quilts are soft and warm and kind and they're giving and comforting pieces. But the juxtaposition of the messages that can come through with a quilt that is made to do anything but comfort, but to be right in your face with the message is very interesting. I know that it's difficult for some people
0: Have that. And I think those people that are having the problem with that are people who have not wrapped their head around the idea that quilts can be art. They're in a traditional quilting mindset. And so they haven't figured out, or they have never been in the art world. They've never really thought about what the purpose of art is. And it's to convey a strong emotion or a strong thought or to make people see things through the eyes of the artist. So if you don't get that, then of course you're going to have a problem with artwork having a strong political or social point of view.
2: Even traditional quilts, though, have always intersected Mm -hmm. with politics. And they're example after example of quilts that were put together by communities to support a particular political candidate or a particular cause whether that was abolition or you know don't drink or, or whatever the cause was that people were wanted to advocate for, the quilt was a medium for the message, probably
0: from the get go. Well, it's cool to see more and more museums focusing on art quilts and on displays. I've become much more aware of it too because of curating like with A Better World and Threads of Resistance to see that we were able to get some of those exhibitions into major museums like the Fuller and Visions. So it's a neat thing to see them get that kind of recognition.
2: People who are painters, whether watercolor or acrylics or oils often say, you know, you're so lucky that the medium that you're working with is quilts because of the novelty factor so that museums are often interested in that juxtaposition between the content and the medium and because it's something that for them is novel. So at least we have this window where perhaps the novelty works in our favor rather than just making us seem odd. I wanted to go back to something that Vivica had said about comfort because the other trend that I saw in those almost 500 benefit auction quilts is a resurgence of handwork, particularly embroidery, but also just the importance of doing work by hand, and that the stitches are visible, so using heavier weight threads, but also that a lot, two thirds, I mean, it was just an overwhelming number the hand of the artist was important. And I think some of that is driven by it being just a trend that's been going on for a while and has been increasing, but also because everybody was stuck at home, handwork was something that they could do and that could keep them engaged when they didn't have a lot of the usual things going on in their lives that would have been distracting them.
0: And handwork is very calming. It's psychologically proven that it lowers your blood pressure. It helps you deal with stress. My blood pressure should be zero. (laughs) You're not doing it all the time, though.
1: You can't do it while you're typing, Vivica. You can't do it while you're typing, but man, I do a lot of handwork these days. And I think part of it is, you know, we've talked before, Susan, about just growing up and that's what my family did is that, you know, you had to have your hands busy. But, you know, the other part of it is that Higgy thing, that Scandinavian term of, you know, just hunkering down and looking for comfort and looking for calm. And when we were having our conversation, Susan, with Luana Rubin and talking about predictions of colors and predictions of marketing trends that a color marketing group works with months and years in advance in many cases. Higgy was all I could think about. And, you know, we all know that people have adopted animals during this period of time. It's very hard to actually get a puppy if you're interested in having a puppy. But um, one funny thing, my daughter adopted a cat. And I'll tell you, this cat is so comforting to her. And it's the same thing about quilting and about handwork and about all of that. There's just that beautiful calm that you can get with color, with stitch, with pattern, all of these things with quilts. And I'm really thinking that you're right, Martha, I'm thinking that handwork is going to be something that we're going to be seeing even more of.
2: Yeah, it had already been trending up in the work that I was seeing, but this year has just been a total explosion in terms of numbers of people who are including handwork in what they're doing. We'd already seen an interest in the shishiko stitching and in big stitch, you know, another name for the same term. We've seen Laura Wasilowski suddenly turn to doing an awful lot of embroidery work and classes and books and so on and so forth. And I think that it's now sort of all the way across the whole industry This return, if you will, to doing much more handwork, parallel with all of the long arm machine work, but definitely a new trend.
1: So do you think also that with the pandemic and everyone being home and having access to all sorts of classes and all sorts of online inspiration, do you think that has changed the way that our artists are working and what we're going to be seeing coming out of them in the next few months?
2: It certainly changed how people interact with one another. I mean, we're all Zoom addicts at this point. You know, people who never would do Zoom suddenly had to learn how to do Zoom in order to connect with their grandchildren or to go to their book club or to go to church. And so, so many more people now are able to connect by Zoom. And so we're really seeing a huge increase in the attendance at the various Zoom events that SACWA has put on. We had almost 400 people show up for an end of October party in lieu of being able to be together in Houston. We're having over 500 people every Wednesday during textile talks, which are Wednesdays at two o'clock. We had I don't know, I think 1,600 people show up when Kay Fassett and his niece Erin did their presentation. So people are definitely connecting through the computer. Whether that will shift what they're doing or how they prefer to learn, I'm not sure. I think it's too soon to tell. It's too soon to know once they get the vaccines finalized or whatever, how much people are going to feel comfortable returning to the rhythms of their lives before the pandemic shutdowns. I'm not ready to speculate yet. There's still too many unknowns floating out there.
0: And it may go the other way too, the same way that people have turned to handwork and something that's slower and more touchy. Maybe people will be like, oh my gosh, I missed Being in person with a teacher and with my classmates, they may embrace that even more and say, I need to take advantage of those things more. So you just, it's hard to know sometimes what direction it's going to go. Well, I'm looking forward to being with people
1: again. I've enjoyed Zoom. I really have enjoyed having the conversations with people that I don't normally see. And Martha, I'm missing our December lunch that we always do because Martha doesn't live all that far from me, less than an hour. And so every year we get together in December except this year. I am looking forward to the SACRA conference that's coming up, Oceana. Is that the theme, Oceana? Yes, it is, but it will be a virtual conference. Right. And last year's, or I should say 2020 conference was also virtual, but that was on the fly virtual, which was fantastic, by the way, Mosaica. This next one I'm also looking forward to because it's it's a way that so many people who would normally not be able to go to an educational program like this will be able to attend. And so I think that's a wonderful opportunity for us to connect with artists that we don't always get a chance to connect with.
2: Oh, I agree. And it allows us to be available to members all over the world, whereas with an in-person conference, you have to be able to travel to whichever city we're holding it in. And for people, particularly in Australia and New Zealand, that is usually just not possible. But this way we can put together an entire virtual conference that showcases the different things that are being done in that part of the world without having to try to fly 200 people to Australia. I'd love to go to Australia though. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to travel. You mentioned earlier watching The Crown, and we're behind a couple episodes. So we just watched the one where Prince Charles and Princess Diana go to Australia, and they had some really gorgeous scenic footage. And it's like, oh, look at that. Wouldn't that be wonderful?
1: Well, one of these days we'll all be able to travel again. I'm really enjoying, though, that we can travel virtually. We can do the virtual museums online and all of that. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about some of the trends. We've talked about some of the content of quilts. I'm wondering, you know, just mentioning again this other podcast that we had done talking about color forecasting. Do you have any insight into what kind of color we're going to be seeing in quilts? In the coming years because to me our quilts most frequently seem to have very saturated color palettes and you know just real deep jewel tones and this has been going on for a long time there are artists who don't use those jewel tones etc but I'm wondering if we're going to be moving more toward the sort of minimalist aesthetic or if we're going to be seeing warm colors come together. What do you think, Martha?
2: I think actually that the colors that we're seeing right now in quilts are a new trend. These very saturated, almost sort of the basic kindergarten Crayola crayon colors that we're seeing is actually new. Less than five years ago, there was a trend towards much more neutral colors what was really popular was rusting Mm -hmm. and so it seemed like everybody and their sister was doing rusting and then building a quilt around those rusted colors i did a top 10 trends in art quilts lecture down at houston and looking around the sakwa exhibit of about 35 quilts all but one were various neutral tones that's now shifted. And as you said, now we're seeing an awful lot of the sort of golden yellows and the oranges. I'm hoping that we don't go back to lime green, one of my least favorite colors, but it could be in the offing. I think though that if I were to make a prediction, it would be that we will see a lot more of the very saturated colors. I think that at least for a lot of quilt artists, using quilts with lots and lots of color is cheering. And I think that what we need right now is some cheer, some uplifting feeling. And that's not what you're going to see when the trend is towards minimalist neutral palettes. But that may just be my own personal preference. Color makes me happy.
0: I know there are trends in color and that sometimes things follow a trend, but I think most artists just have to do what they feel. And so if you look at most artists who have an established voice, you can see that they like certain color schemes, whether they like those rich, saturated jewel tones, whether they like more neutrals, whether they go cool or warm, and they usually stick with it. There aren't that many people who vary their color sense dramatically. I mean, I guess you can have a a, what Picasso had is blue phase or whatever it was called, right? But I think artists do what calls to them rather than what's in fashion or that they're not influenced by the trends as much. That could just be me.
2: I disagree.
0: You don't think? (laughs) I completely disagree. I think that while,
2: yes, just because something is a trend doesn't mean that all artists will be following that trend. I think that artists are very influenced by what they see around them and that the colors of clothing and home deck and appliances and cars Hmm. are all shifting because of the color industry. They want the colors to no longer be in fashion because they want you to buy new things and they want you to feel like what you're wearing is no longer in fashion. So you need to get new things. And I'm looking behind you, Susan, And the people listening to this podcast can't see behind you, but what's behind you is this glorious piece in these wonderful oranges and magentas that's coleus leaves. Mm -hmm. And I assume that's a fairly recent piece. And then you have a a row of either beads or felt pom-poms or something next to it, also in wonderful tones (laughs) of magenta. But the colors that I associate with you from when I first started knowing you, Susan, are blues. So yeah, yeah, you did a lot of work with blues. And I think if you look at your work over time, you may actually see a shift in the colors that you're drawn to and the colors that you use. The other thing that I see when I'm interviewing artists for a book is that where people live often influences the colors that they're drawn to. Hmm. And so even though it's sort of a cliche, there is some truth to the fact that the people in the Southwest tend to be drawn towards oranges and browns. And the people who live along the coasts tend to be drawn towards blues and greens. I mean, that's a gross exaggeration, but there is some truth to it in that people are affected by the colors that they see around them.
0: Yeah, maybe I just like to think of myself as completely in control of things, you know, like self-determination. So maybe that's why I feel like, well, I'm not influenced by outside (laughs) things like that. I am just my own pure artistic vision. But yeah, interesting.
2: Yeah, well, I gave a top 10 trends lecture a couple years ago here in Connecticut. And afterwards, one of the SACWA Connecticut members came up to me and she said, I don't do any of those things. I said, no, you don't. But they are nonetheless trends that I am seeing over the entire population of SACWA. And look for trends because it's really interesting to see how things come in and out of fashion. Other things that are popular right now include shears. And playing with different layers, using shears and using how light passes through them to create shadow effects on the walls. And then the ones that have been with us for a while, such as using digital imagery in new and exciting ways on fabric or matchstick quilting, which continues to be very popular. And it never existed before because you couldn't do it. But that's a way in which technology and using long arm or mid arm machines has really changed how quilts are constructed and what people look for when they're evaluating a quilt is how the quilting's done
1: and what judges look for.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: You know, sometimes I I wonder if quilt judges are looking at the art at a quilt show, I should say, not necessarily at an art show, but if quilt shows. Judges are looking at the artistic composition sometimes because, you know, I think all of the elements of art still need to be there and they all need to work well. And if you're doing them on a quilt, it's even harder because you're dealing with shrinkage and you're dealing with texture in a different way. And you're dealing with cloth that can really misbehave.
2: Oh, yeah. If you're Um, down in Houston, you're dealing with humidity and the fact that all of the quilts ended up being completely wavy because different parts of them absorb moisture faster than other parts, which completely distorts whatever they're trying to hang.
1: Well, you know what? We should probably revisit this, Martha, don't you think? Like next December, revisit and we can evaluate how well the predictions went Okay. and give ourselves a grade for that and then do new predictions next year because I do think it's interesting. It's really interesting to try to look into our crystal ball and to think about what's coming, but in another sense, it doesn't even matter because we do know that our quilters are always going to be making amazing work. And we're so fortunate to have a podcast that we can talk about it, a magazine where we can print the images and an organization that can just support all of us who are art quilters and find ways for us to connect with our community and to promote what we do. So thank you, Martha, for sharing your predictions and some of the insights that Susan and I might not have had and we'll be very interested in finding out if we're actually on track or not. Well, I'll look forward to
2: it. That would be great. Thanks, Martha.
0: Thank you so much, Martha. My pleasure.
1: Well, that was a fascinating conversation. I always love talking to Martha because she has a different perspective coming from the nonprofit world and also coming from, you know, the world of just being totally immersed in the more esoteric level
0: of art quilting. So it's it's always fascinating
1: to talk with her.
0: And the scope of what she sees gives her a, a very unique vantage point because she is seeing so many pieces of work, so many styles. And for over a long time, she's been looking at quilts and working in that quilt world for a long time. So yeah, a very unique vantage point, I think. Right. And 16 years in a
1: position like that, she has seen the organization come from a very small nonprofit with probably less than a third of the membership that SACWA has now. And certainly the scope that we have now with exhibitions and with just the artwork that's coming out of SACWA is incredible. I can't say enough about the organization and about Really, how it has really enhanced my life to have so much beauty and so many incredible artists all be able to get together and
0: create artwork that's meaningful from cloth. Right. Yeah. It's just fantastic. And I haven't taken advantage of a lot of the things that Sakwa has to offer, but I do appreciate it because I think they have done more for the medium than any other organization and that they work tirelessly for all of us, all of the members, to try to get art quilts established in the art world and to help people build their careers and build their skills and network and all those things that are so valuable for artists. Well, Susan, do you have a quote for us this week? I do. This is kind of a long one. And this is by Janet Kaplos. She wrote the introduction to Art Quilts Unfolding, which is a book that was put together by Martha. She said, today, it's almost hard to say what an art quilt is. It may be fabric or plastic or other materials. It will most likely engage stitching in some way and involve repetition in some way. It may be large or small, rectangular or eccentrically shaped. It typically exploits the color capabilities of its material nature. It may comment on popular culture or examine its own constituent qualities. It may adopt extraneous objects. But no matter where it's heading, it never dismisses where it has come from and securely rooted in that tradition, it should be seen in a painting context where its scale and manipulation of color and surface serve the personal conceptions of the maker. A lot to absorb there, but I love how she's saying that a quilt is art. It should be looked at, judged, thought about when it's being created in the exact same way as a painting or any other fine art. And even more interesting in many ways because it is a quilt. Mm -hmm.
1: Great. Thank you for finding that quote for us, Susan. And thank you for listening. Remember, there's lots more information about the things that we discussed in this episode, including photos and links and our show notes page. Just follow the link in the description to our website, quiltingdaily.com. If you want to hear episodes as soon as they come out, please subscribe. Just search for Quilting Arts Podcast in whatever app you use, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And when you do, please leave a rating and review. We'd love to hear from you. The Quilting Arts Podcast is a production of Golden Peak Media. It's hosted by me, Vivica Hanson tenegri and my friend, Susan Brubaker-Knapp. This episode was recorded and edited by Chad Franzen. Sarah Erickson is our web producer, and our executive producer of podcasts is Jared Mayer.